This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles together tonight to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We're using this as our text for this particular series of lessons talking about what faith is, how it works, and uh, we're going to get into some other things this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, my wife asked me if I had a barn burner tonight. And I said, well, uh, we'll see. Hallelujah. Because uh, barn burners aren't initiated necessarily by the individual. It's uh, more about him. Amen. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But I do want to get some things to you from a teaching standpoint. And that's what we're doing here, at least in these midweek services in the month of January that I have the privilege of being able to share with you uh, about. And so uh, perhaps there could be some preaching in there for us over with. Who knows? Hallelujah. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we approach the word of God, again, we do so with reverence and humility. Father, I want to thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you for giving each and every one of us eyes to see, ears to hear, and more importantly, Father, hearts to believe what it is that you've spoken in your Holy Word. Thank you so much, Father, for your living Word. The entrance of it gives light. It gives illumination, understanding to our hearts. And we're so grateful for what it is that we've come to know. Hallelujah. In the Word of God and what it is that you've taught us. So we just thank you for this time together. We know it won't be in vain, that it will add upon that which has already been deposited within us, and that, Father, we will move from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed through the word of God, so that the things which were, um, um, so that things which were, are seen were not made of things which do appear. I had that backward in my mind and I knew it wasn't right. So I'm sorry, I just kind of had a little hiccup there. Verse four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and he was not not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Rewarder. Say it one more time. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. In other words, to search out. Another way we could say it is to crave. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus made the statement, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. You'll be filled. You know what the Bible says, don't you? Come on, follow me here. Keep up, will you? I'm in a hurry. Hallelujah. We, we started last week discussing the subject of faith and what it is. And as believers, the Bible makes it clear that we're to live by faith. You know, in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse 4, and also in Romans chapter 1 and 17, it says that the just, those who have been justified on the merit of the shed blood of Jesus, shall live by faith. So faith is a lifestyle. Thank God for faith. Thank God for living by faith. Amen. It's the way that we are to live. So in our studies, our ambition here this evening is, of course, to define what faith is, true Bible faith. You know, you you talk to people about what is faith? Well, they'll come up with a gazillion different answers, you know, and um, what we want to know is, is what is real Bible faith? Because praise God, Bible faith is what gets the job done. Bible faith is what changes us from the inside out. Hallelujah. Bible faith is what pleases God. And there's a lot of things out there that people call faith that really aren't faith at all. And we'll be discussing that as we go. Another one of our quests is to determine where faith comes from. 
People have, again, all different kinds of ideas about where it is that faith comes from. And then our third thought here is, is how does faith work? Now, obviously, we're not going to exhaust all of those uh, particular points in one evening. But I just want you to know that there is absolutely no limitations to the level of faith that a person, a believer, can have. There's no limits. You know, the Bible talked about how Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God wanted to do some significant things where their lives were concerned. He wanted to move them from slavery to absolute freedom. He wanted to take them from being slaves in Egypt to a place called Canaan, a land that flowed with milk and honey, but they didn't make it. And the reason is, is because of unbelief. Well, thank God tonight I'm amongst a bunch of believers. So that puts us in a category that's different from all the rest. And thank God there is, again, no limitation to the level that, of faith that one can have. And listen, God wants you to have strong faith. You know, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, the way that that comes about is because you and I believe what it is that he said. Hallelujah. How many of you tonight believed what he said? Yeah. Amen. And so... <clears throat> He wants us to have strong faith. He wants you to have great faith. You know, you don't see any place in the New Testament where Jesus was commending people because of weak faith. You know, there was a time when a lot of them were out in a ship and he says, what's wrong with you? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And there was no commendation there. But you know that uh, centurion on a given day said, you just say the word and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus said, I've not found such great faith anywhere in all of Israel like this kind. So you can have it, I can have it, we can have it, glory to God, we can have great faith, amen. We can enjoy the blessing of God. And I don't know that it's that difficult, we just gotta get a hold of the word so that we can enjoy it. So, uh, you know, faith is the way that you get commended by your heavenly father. How many if you want that to happen. Amen. If you want to be in the book of Hebrews, you know, how many of you know it's still being written? I mean, it's, it's, it's not in the Bible per se, but it's still being written. So you might as well get your name in there. And the way that you do it is by being a person of faith. Hallelujah. So just quickly passing in review, we made this statement, you know, you have to have faith. You have to have faith in order to have a genuine relationship with God. You can't have a relationship with God without faith. Hallelujah. So that makes it pretty important. It ought to be our quest. It ought to be the thing that we're chasing down. As a matter of fact, it actually ought to be our greatest quest. Hallelujah. How many of you know your greatest quest ought to be to please God? And again, the writer of the book of Hebrews said that without it, 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 it can't be done. It's not going to happen. So thank God it's important for us. So where do we get faith? We talked about that. We asked the question, is it a feeling? Is it you get it from prayer? You know, I'll just pray for more faith. Well, you know, that's not what the Bible, that does, that's not where the Bible says that faith comes from. Thank God for prayer. But yet right on the other hand, as I mentioned in Jude uh, verse 20, it says, but you beloved building up yourselves upon your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. It didn't say that praying causes you to have more faith. It said that it causes you to be built on the faith that you already have. It builds you and edifies you on the faith that you already have. So it isn't, you know, praying for more faith. It isn't because of church attendance. Now, you know, let me qualify that because, you know, if you, if you go to a church and they're preaching the word, if they're preaching the Bible, then praise God, faith will come that way. But it isn't the attendance that causes faith to come, you know. Some people, you know, when they think about church, you know, they, they think about it as being part of their life. Church is not part of your life, it is your life. You know, Jesus gave birth to the church. You know, when he said, upon this rock of revelation, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church was God's idea. And if it's God's idea, then it's a good one, and you and I need to embrace it, and we need to be a part of it. So again, thank God for that, but, you know, uh, attendance isn't. And, and again, you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to go down there, you know, and I'm going to have him pray for me. Well, you know, thank God for the prayer of agreement. Thank God for the anointing that may rest on an individual's life. But those aren't things necessarily that cause faith to rise within our heart. Because the truth of the matter is, I've seen a lot of times where a guy will, you know, people 
will come down to be prayed for and a gal or a guy, you know, anointed by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God will come on them, manifestation of the power of God. They get healed by the, by the power of God and they walk away, but they don't keep it. It takes faith to keep it. Are you listening to me? You know, and so people experience a counterattack. You know, they're excited about, hey, man, I'm telling you, God was in the house, you know, and they sense the power of God and things, you know, in their life are different. But then they go out and they go down the road of life and all of a sudden they have a little symptom or they have a little something, you know, that makes them to believe. How many of you know that the devil is a liar? You know, I told you the story about how God spoke to us about, um, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, he spoke to us about uh, the fact that we were going to have, uh, we were going to get, I'm mixed up here, get $40,000 in 90 days here in the church. And this is when we were small. This was clear back in 1980, probably 84, 85, maybe probably 84, imagine, you know, and he had just spoke to my heart and he said he was going to give us $40,000 in the next 90 days. I had it. I heard from heaven. And so sure enough, I got up the next Sunday morning. I told the folks, you know, that we were in this capital, you know, uh, uh, stewardship campaign so that we could get the first building done. You know, we we're just a small bunch of people. So this is a lot of money for the size of this congregation. Supernatural is really what it was. Well, of course, when I made the announcement, you know, everybody was all, you know, excited. Hallelujah. And what they didn't realize is God's going to use them to do it. Are you listening to me? Yes. Amen. And so here's the point. It was probably, I don't know, two, three days later. Um, I just minded my own business on a Tuesday, Wednesday after the service, you know, and it's out there. You know, we're committed because God has spoken and we've declared it and it's going to come to pass. And I can remember so distinctly minding my own business, just going down the road of life. And all of a sudden I heard these words. You don't really think that God is going to give you $40,000 in the next 90 days, do you? That's just the way it came across. And for just a little bit, I just kind of, you know, did this kind of waiver thing. Now, I know none of you have ever done that, but I was just kind of dealing with this thing in my own thought life. And then I realized this is from hell. And all of a sudden, I just said, no, devil, I don't think that God is going to give us this money. I know that he is. You know, the devil doesn't like for the testimony of Jesus to be manifested in this earthborn existence. But that's what faith will do. It'll bring the unrealities, you know, that are out there that God has promised, stated, declared, made available to us, and it'll bring it into our life. That's what faith does. It's like something that's, it, it, it draws it into your life. Remember that verse of scripture that we just got done reading? It says faith gives substance to what we hope for. Hope in and of itself doesn't have any substance. You know, I, I've seen it or I've heard it described like a dream. You know, how many of you have dreams? We all do, okay? And while you're in that dream, man, I'm telling you, it's real. Everything is going on, man. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid as could be, but by golly, it's real until you wake up. And then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. Well, that's what hope is like. You know, it, it, it's, it's that dream. It's that whatever desire that's out there in the future. But faith will grab a hold of that thing and it'll bring it into your life. So that makes faith kind of important, doesn't it? How about the rest of you? What do you think? Did you eat pasta before you came here tonight? Come on now. Hallelujah. It's hump day. I know. But, you know, stay with me. Glory to God. No, faith comes from one source, and that is the Word of God. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the avenue upon which we derive faith is believing what is written. Are you listening to me? Believing what is written. Believing what is written. Whatever it is that's in the book. Hallelujah. And most people, now I wouldn't say any of us here tonight, of course, or anybody that's watching online, but most people live with the Thomas kind of faith. Things see it, then they'll believe it. But that's not the way that the biblical Bible kind of faith works. 
Believing is seeing, not seeing is believing. Thomas said, except I see, I will not believe. Well, thank God you and I tonight, we can go ahead and believe even though we don't see. Because faith gives substance to what we can't see, what we hope for. It is the evidence, it's the proof, it is the guarantee, if you want to call it that, of that which we do not see. Hallelujah. And once it shows up, then you don't need faith for it because it's already here. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So uh, again, you know, a lot of folk, they just live with Thomas kind of faith, but you don't have to. We don't have to. I don't have to. And I don't want to. Hallelujah. I want to believe what it is that is written in the book. Think about the two guys on the road to Emmaus. You know, when they watched Jesus get crucified, they were on their way back from Jerusalem and they were bumming. And all of a sudden, Jesus slid up next to them, you know, and I mean, they're walking down this road to Emmaus and all of a sudden, Jesus just slides in there next to them and, and uh, starts listening to their conversation, didn't say anything, you know? And I can imagine these two guys are walking along all of a sudden, well, you know, hi, how you doing? Yeah, you know, and they get this, you know, casual talk going on and, uh, and Jesus says, I couldn't, I couldn't help but overhear what you're talking about. You know, what, what, what's going on? He says, well, are you a stranger? Don't you know what's happened? And goes through this whole thing, you know, about Jesus being crucified and this and that and the other. And, and when they got done jabbering, you know, he made this statement to them. He said, oh, fools. woo The master... Jesus called them fools. And here's the reason why. He said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Listen, you guys, when it comes to the Bible, the word of God, this is the authority for everything. And throughout history, God always points to it. And he said, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. And then he went on to say to them, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, in the book of Moses, or the, you know, the Pentateuch, I guess you could say, he said, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Why is that important? Because Jesus is taking these two guys and he is telling them to look at what was said, what was written, all these things that were written with regard to him and his suffering. And then, as you know, they're going through this uh, whole incident, they go to their house, they say, don't leave now, man, we're kind of jazzed up with what you got to say. And they're sitting around and he, they take a bite of food and he disappears. Well, they said, I think we ought to go back to Jerusalem. So they did one of these things. I'm sure the, on the way out we were slow, on the way back we were fast, huh? So they're on their way back, and, and they made this statement. Listen to this. Did not, did not our hearts burn? Hallelujah. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, now listen, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Listen, you guys, you want more faith, it's in this book, that's the way that faith comes. Doesn't come by praying, doesn't come because you attended church, it comes because of the word of God and our being exposed to it, hallelujah. So the key to having the God kind of faith is believing what is written. You may not understand it. You may not have your whole head and heart wrapped around everything is said in the Bible, that's okay. When I first got saved, my wife and I, we got saved, there were a lot of stuff we didn't know. But I tell you what, I was smart enough to say, God, I don't get this, but I know you're right, so help me. That's a good prayer. Are you listening to me? 
because he knows the end from the beginning. And, and again, let me, let me point to you some, some places in the scripture that you already know about. But you know, when Jesus was being tempted of the devil in the wilderness, what did he tell him? He said, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written, because the devil's a liar. And he was telling Jesus lies. He said, <clears throat> his temptation was to question whether he was really the son of God. So the devil comes to him with that temptation. He said, if you're really the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. You know? And then he, did, he twisted and distorted the scriptures in some other ways. But my point is, is what did he combat the lies that he was being told with? What did he use? He used the scriptures, didn't he? Amen? And another, in another place... <clears throat> In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about this. It says, uh, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come, and notice it in parentheses, it says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. This is Hebrews 10 and verse 7. Uh, matter of fact, you should look at it if you've got a Bible there. Look what it says. In burnt offerings, this is verse 6, and sacrifices for sin you've had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. And then, he, and then with this in, interjection, I guess you would call it, it, it says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, again, he's pointing to the scriptures, isn't he? All right? Now, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. This is something John said in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. But these are written. These are written. This is verse 31. But these are written. Why? that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. They're written so you'll believe. All these things have been done that you might believe, that you might believe, that you might believe. What? What is written? Hallelujah. When he said, I'll supply all your needs, praise God, you can believe that he'll make it happen. When he said himself took our infirmity and bear our sicknesses, you can believe that it'll happen. You can believe, praise God, that he will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will always be with you no matter how dumb you go. Amen. People do go stupid. But you know, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. Never. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, one place when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he said, he said uh, in just a moment, he said, um, you guys are all going to hit the road and depart and scatter like the wind. And he said, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing with, within me, and I am not alone. Did you know you're not alone tonight? Hallelujah, I mean, whatever battle, whatever thing it is that you may be facing, you're not alone. And I'm telling you, God is right there with you, for you, in you, on your side, wants to put you over, give you what you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand, you know, the concept that, that if God be for us, who can be against us? These things are written. So that's why it's so important that when you and I are reading the Bible, studying the Bible, kneeling with the Bible, you know, we need to believe what it is that's been said. Again, you may not always understand it, but praise God. You know, I remember, this is a simple verse of Scripture, 3 John verse 2. Beloved, how many beloveds we got here tonight? Okay, here's a Scripture. Beloved, I wish, the King James says, or you could say, I wish, desire, or pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, we probably read that verse of Scripture. You've read that Scripture. You know, you've heard it preached and all that. You know, but when I was young and growing up, I came, I came out of a home of, it wasn't poverty, but it wasn't, it wasn't nothing to write home about. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't have much. And so when you read a scripture like that and you, and you interpret it in the light of your 
current circumstance or experience, it's hard to believe. Okay? Because I'm not, you know, to prosper and be in health even as your soul, that, that, that's, that's somehow removed from me. But yet, I read this scripture along with every other one, you know, that, that's in the Bible that talks about God's desire for you to be blessed, you know? But again, you got all this stuff working against you. Then you've got religion. Don't forget about all those, you know, ideas that people have come up with, you know. I was just thinking about it the other day about people taking vows of poverty. Where in the world do you find that in the Bible? It's not in there, okay? If you can show it to me, let me know. But yet you've got people that are doing things, you know, out of, in the name of piety or in the name of humility or whatever it is. And really it's, it's, it's unfortunate because the reality is, is we live in a world that uses a medium of exchange called money. And if I can keep the church poor, you know, and it doesn't have any resources to be able to preach the gospel, then I'm going to accomplish a great deal in shutting their mouth. Are you listening to me? But if I put resources into their hands and they obey the Bible and they start giving and tithing and do all these things so that there's, there's resource to be able to do these things, you can go around the world. You can buy boats. You can buy planes. You can buy materials and books and all kinds of things so that people can get a hold of the Word of God and have their life changed. Last time I checked, you know, when it comes to boats, they run on diesel fuel, and they don't give anybody. You don't pull up the dock and say, I want, you know, 20,000 gallons of fuel or whatever the size of the tank is. And they say, well, we'll just give you that for free. Now they want four or five bucks a gallon. Are you with me? So when you got to come up with $100,000 in order to fill your tank, guess what? If you don't have the money, you're not going to go to the islands of the world. And so... Hallelujah. So if we're going to grow in faith, or if we're going to have strong faith, now I'm going to make this statement to you because I've said it a gazillion times, but you've got to get it again. If you're going to grow in faith, if you're going to have strong faith, all right, I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I'm just telling you this, that if you're going to grow in faith and if you're going to have strong faith, then you have to, we have to choose, everybody say choose, and we have to settle in our hearts that the Word of God is the final authority where our life is concerned. It is the gold standard. It is the compass. It's the plumb line. The Word of God. Okay? And, 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 it, and, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, probably in the last 25 years, they've been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, you know, at, at this uh, ideology or mindset, creating and developing a narrative that there are no absolutes. Well, I guarantee you that there are. And those absolutes are what God said. And you violate him, my friend, and you're going down. Huh? Because he is God. Hallelujah. In other words, the old saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's just gotta, it's the way it's got to be. You know, if you, if you start compromising, then you're in no man's land. You know, the Bible teaches us how to parent. The Bible teaches us how to have a good marriage. The Bible teaches us how to handle money. The Bible teaches us all of these things. Well, you know, yeah, but I got to do my, you know, and then they go off on a whatever. Well, <clears throat> it's to be regretted, but it doesn't change what the Bible says. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Amen. So everything in having a successful relationship with God points to believing in and having faith towards what he said. So maybe your experience right now doesn't line up with the Bible and what it promises, but listen, don't let that deter you. I'm telling you, you just say to yourself, glory to God, I mean, I might not be there yet, but I'm in the line. Amen? 
I'm in the line. I was in the line on the way to work tonight. Work. Church. Yeah. You know, and I mean, this thing's like a mile and a half long. We're going 28 miles an hour. My wife really loved it because she knows I like to drive a little faster. Hallelujah. <laughs> Well, I'm in the line, and you need to get in the line. But again, it's, it's believing and having faith in what God said. You say, yeah, but how does that translate? Or, or Just hang on. Keep coming. We'll get it. We'll get there, you know. There's three reasons. Now, there, no, actually, I got another one while I was waiting for the service to start. It's actually four reasons why people struggle with having faith in God. You ready for this? Uh, maybe you are, maybe you're not. <laughs> Number one, the reason people struggle with having faith in God is because of ignorance. Because of what they don't know, you know? You, you don't know what you don't know. That's why we need to get into the Word of God so we can know, huh? You know, let the Word of Christ dwell in you, what? Richly, glory to God. Let the washing of the water of the Word abound on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So the one reason is because of ignorance. And that might be, you know, ignorance of God. I didn't know I, didn't know I needed to be saved. I was 19 when I got saved. If I'd have known it on the front end, I'd have got saved when I was a kid, a child. But nobody told me that. Now I'm in a mainline denominational church and nobody's telling me that. They say, no, 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 no. You were baptized as a baby in water. They sprinkled your little noggin, you know, and you go to church and you go, you know, you jump through all of these hoops. And then when you get to be about 13, we're going to confirm you. I got a question for you. Confirm me into what? Into the church. Well, yippee-yay-o-kaye. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Nobody told me about being born again. Nobody told me about repenting and giving my life to him. And a lot. That's why you can thank God for this church and those people that are over there preaching to your kids. Because they'll come out of there saved as six, seven, and eight-year-old kids. Are you listening to me? But nobody told me that. So I had to go through a whole bunch of hell until I could finally get a clue. So ignorance is not bliss. It is uh, anything but that. But to know God, to know of God, to know his will, to know his plan for your life, you know, what it is that he did and, and, and uh, who you are in him. I mean, this, these things, dude, they're, they're revolutionizing where your life is concerned because you come to realize, I don't have to live like this anymore. I don't have to be bound by drug addictions and substance abuse and alcohol and all these. Jesus came and gave his life so that I could live. How am I doing? Okay, good. She asked me if I had a barn burner. I guess it's coming, hallelujah. You know, that's why he came. But so many people don't know that. And that keeps them out of the blessing. So ignorance, number one. Number two, is unwillingness. Some folk just don't want to do what the Bible says, okay? You could call it unpersuadableness. You could call it unbelief. But anyway, you, you package it at the end of the day, it's because people aren't willing. You know, you don't have to obey God. You don't have to do his will. You don't have to tell your flesh to shut up and that it's going to do what the Bible says. You don't have to do that. But thank God you can. And if you're smart, and we're all smart, you all agree that you're smart, right? So if we're smart, we're going to choose God and not our flesh. Huh? Because praise God, we want to win. Number two or three is a lot of times people just end up being deceived. We're talking about reasons why people struggle with having faith in God. And again, number three is they're deceived. They play into the hand of the devil. You know, Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices, and yet I think sometimes we are. You know, it says the servant of the Lord must not strive. So what's that mean? Strife's not an option. It can't be put on the table where our life, no, we are not going there. And it's an act of your will, you know. If you want to allow jealousy in your life, you can, but thank God you don't have to. You can say no to it. You can say no to anger. You can say no to envy. You can say no to a lot of different things that destroy people's lives. These are the wiles of the devil. Huh? They are his schemes that he uses to destroy people's lives. Unforgiveness, you know? 
I mean, the Bible tells us that we are, obliga- we are under obligation to forgive. Disciples one time, they thought they were so smart. They said, hey, Jesus, how often do I have to forgive my brother? You know, like seven times? He says, why don't you multiply that by 70 and shut up? He didn't say that, okay? But the point being is, is that whatever you have to do to forgive, you're obligated to do it. Why? Because he forgave you. Huh? Say, I can't do that. Well, yeah, you can. The devil just deceive you into thinking that you can't. So deception is one of those reasons. Number three is religious, or four. I don't even know my numbers now. Number four is religion or being religious. I, I, I mean that in the context of uh, the traditions of men and stuff that we need to unlearn you know, about the will of God, the plan of God, and what it is that he has for our life. You so glad you came tonight? We got 10 more minutes, and then we're going to cut you loose. But see, <clears throat> here's the thing. We're talking about absolutes. We're talking about making the word the final authority in our life. And one of the points that we need to think about in that context is simply this, that the struggles that people have, that you have, that I have, that we have, the struggles that we have in life and with faith are never because of God. You know, we want to assign blame. We want to blame the other person. We want to blame this. We want to blame that. We want to blame circumstance. We want to blame God. You know, it's, it's 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 the fallen nature, the Adamic nature. When, 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 when Adam and Eve uh, transgressed against God, he said, where are you? He said, well, we hid ourselves. He says, have you taken from the tree that, uh, uh, knowledge of good and evil? He says, well, it's the woman that you gave me. So he's doubling up. He's doubling down. He's saying, it's, it's this thing you made. And she came, you know, and she, did, she gave it to me. Did, did Adam not have the ability to say no? Huh? But he said, it's the woman that you gave me. People have problems in their lives. And they say, God, where are you? If you're so loving, you know, how come this and how come that? So they want to assign blame. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, get over it and make a decision that whatever it is that you have as a problem, God is not the author of it. It's not, he didn't, he didn't, he only has good for all of us, even the sinner. I mean, he, he loved us so much, he gave his son. But we don't get that right because when we get in the middle of our stuff, then all of a sudden we start thinking dumb. Are you with me? God, where are you? You know, don't you know I'm suffering? Don't you know that this is going on? Don't you know that I need this or whatever? You know, however it flushes itself out. But again, let me just make the statement again. The struggles that people have in life or with their faith are never because of our Heavenly Father. So let's go back now to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance to that which we hope for. It gives substance to what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we do not presently see. So I want to talk to you about the difference between hope and faith, because a lot of folk mistake hope for faith, okay? So I'll say it this way. Christians mistake hope for faith, and consequently, they never see anything change. Well, I'm just hoping. You know, I sure hope so. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I've heard people, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're trying to put confidence into them. We're trying to, you know, tell them what the Word of God says, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you'll just say, listen, it's going to be all right. God is going to intervene. He's going to move. He's going to do it. And they say, you really think so? Oh, I sure hope so. Well, there's no faith in that. Huh? They, they haven't chosen to agree with or to uh, settle in their own heart what it is that God has promised about the situation they find themselves in. Are you with me? And so it becomes imperative to us to understand that you can't mistake hope for faith. Thank God for hope. It's cool. I love it. We have a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams, a lot of desires, but it's faith that makes that thing a reality. Are you with me? So... Um, 
Here's Moffat's translation of Hebrews 1.11, or 11.1. Now, faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. You know, I want to put up another barn. I like building. I mean, I'll build anything. Hallelujah. I mean, it's just cool, you know. And I want to put, put another barn up. And, and you know, I got the, I got the draftsman to do all of the, the um, you know, yeah, pictures and, and drawings. That's what I was trying to say, drawings. And I got it all there, man. It's right there. I mean, I can see it. It's, I, it's on paper. I mean, I can see this thing. But I can tell you this much about it. That building will never manifest itself if I don't put some legs to it and make it happen and believe it, bring it into. Does that make sense to you? You know? I mean, it's just like tonight. When we go home, Joan will probably say, you know, there's a, hmm, Hallelujah, some vanilla bean ice cream in the freezer. And I'll say, I know it. Hallelujah. She could say, and you know what? There's some root beer in the refrigerator. And I could say, I know that too. And we can both be sitting in the living room together knowing, you know, that these things exist where our life is concerned. But I can tell you this much about it. If somebody don't get the ice cream and somebody don't go pop the top on the root beer, we're not having root beer floats. But we are tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So that's a whole other subject that we'll get into as we go along. But, you, I mean, you can dream about and think about and hope for this and that and the other. But, dude, you've got to put legs to it. Are you with me? What are we going to do? What is it that God wants us to do? Hallelujah. You know? And when we start doing that, then even though we don't have it, we're doing what we need to do so a manifestation of it can come into our lives. Does that make sense to you? So here's another verse of Scripture. Uh, New English Bible says, Faith gives substance to our hopes. Another translation says, Faith is the warranty deed that the thing for which you have fondly hoped for is yours at last. In other words, we could say it this way. You hope for finances to meet the obligations you have, but faith gives you the assurance you'll have the money um, when you need it. In other words, we believe God. Are you listening to me? Did you get that? Come on, I just need a grunt or a groan or anything, just, you know, whatever. Let me say it again. You hope for finances to meet the obligations you have, but faith gives you the assurance. I got this. My father and I, praise God, we're on the same team. So faith gives you the assurance that you'll have the money when you need it. Abraham had to go out and offer his son. His son said, you know, Dad, I've been looking this thing over, and we've got, uh, got all the... Uh, firewood here and uh you know got things to build the altar with and uh you know we're in pretty good shape here except there's no sacrifice and here's a guy that knows exactly what it is that he's being tasked to do and he said god will provide a sacrifice and guess what he did didn't he i said didn't he you know, the ram ended up in the thicket. They went and offered the sacrifice. Hallelujah. You may hope for physical strength to do a job that you have to do. But faith says, now we're talking about the difference between faith and hope. You hope, you know, for strength, physical strength to do the job. But faith says the Lord is the strength of my life. Hallelujah. Of whom shall I be afraid? I say it all the time. You know, whenever my body gets to talking to me, I always say, hey, Lord, thank you, Lord, Lord, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, that you are the strength of my life and the length of my days. Hallelujah. In other words, when, when, when there's this other witness that's telling you something, you take the word of God and you address it and you say, this is what the Bible says. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Marcia, you getting cold? Yeah, I'm going to turn up the heat. Hallelujah. Sorry about that. Amen. So, you know, here it is. We just, you know, um, 
These are the, there's there's just this little, you know, distinction between what is and what isn't faith. Does that make sense to you? And thank God for the whole part. But see, faith says the same thing that the Word says. Jeremy, you're the strength of my life. You are the length of my days. You are my refuge. You are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. I don't care if the mountains are moving all over the place and everything's shaking and this and that and the other. You will preserve me alive. You will keep me. Hallelujah. Why? Because that's who he is. But I got to believe that. And I do. Hallelujah. I absolutely know that God is going to take care of me. And people will say, well, yeah, but don't you see what's going on and what they're doing? They're trying to do. I don't care what they're trying to do. There's all kinds of things that the World Economic Forum and all these other places, you know, and what it is they're trying to achieve. And I'm telling you right now that all of it is going to come to naught. God himself is going to show up and he is going to show them who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it doesn't make any difference what they think they want to do. They're the blind leading the blind and they're all going in the ditch. Are you listening to me? So we don't have to fear. Hallelujah. Yeah, but you know this and that and this is what they've done. Hey, listen, God knows all about what's going on. And what you and I need to do is we need to say, if there's more that's needed, God will supply it. Did you hear me? We need to stop talking about lack. We need to stop talking about what we don't have or what we can't do or all these different kinds of things because it's not faith. We need to believe in the Lord our God and we will prosper. Are you with me? So it becomes important and it's already 801. Faith says the same thing the Word says. Unbelief, on the other hand, takes takes sides against the Word. Well, we can't do that. I mean, I I wish I had, I could tell you the story again, but man, dude, don't ever tell yourself you can't do something. Because it'll cost you. You know, my wife and I, we suffer because I said, well, I can't do that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. You need to say that. I can. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. You got to, come on. Do it with some zest. Come on. Give me some gusto. Yeah, there you go. Ready? One, two, three. I can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Much better, much better, much better, much better. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, Unbelief takes sides against God's word. Um, Now, we're going to have to pick this up again. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I want to talk to you some more about faith and hope and that they're not the same. I want to give you some examples, you know, about like when when it comes to and this is just brief. Just give me a a minute here. I just kind of unpack it. Give you a little hors d'oeuvre appetizer, something like that. You know, um, you know, a lot of times people, when they come up, you know, so the preacher will get up and preach and say, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for today is a New Testament blessing and gift that comes from heaven. And a lot of times they'll say, well, no, I don't, I don't think that. I passed away with the apostles. Where'd you hear that? Didn't come out of what, it didn't come out of this book. It didn't come out of it is written. That came from some knothead that didn't know what they were talking about. You know, here's the thing. You know, when Peter was writing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he says, for the promise. Didn't Jesus promise this baptism? He said, for the promise is to you and to your children and to as many as be afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. But a lot of times people are afraid of what they don't understand. And so they just go, uh-huh. I was that way until I got enough of the book on the inside of me to get hungry and say, I'm not having it. Are you listening to me? But see, the thing about it is, is, you know, a lot of times when it comes to people, you know, instead of believing God that when hands are laid upon me, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues, they'll go down, they'll walk down the aisle and say, well, I hope I get something. Well, you might as well just turn around and go sit down because it doesn't come by hoping. It comes by believing. Are you with me? Okay, I don't have time, but there you go. There it is, the carrot. 
So if you come back next Wednesday night, am I on next Wednesday night? I must be, maybe. If I, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, you come back next Wednesday night, all things being equal, I'll be here. And we're gonna talk about the difference between faith and hope in, in the context of, well, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, promises that God made, facts that actually already exist. I'll help you with that. And it'll, it'll move you, man. I mean, it'll bless you. How many of you are blessed tonight? Huh? You all come back and praise God. Those of you that are online, I know you stayed home, but you could come. You could come. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you say it's too far, but I'm telling you what, right here, this is where it happens. Hallelujah. So come join us. You'll be blessed. All right, let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. Well, I preached myself happy. Going to go have a root beer float. It's going to be good. Glory to God. I invite you, but I don't have enough. Hallelujah. There's a lot of you here. Hallelujah. All right. Hold one hand up toward heaven with me and say this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your living word. You are everything the word says you are. And I believe you. I believe what's written. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you tonight. Woo, glory to God, Father. Thank you. You said you'd never, ever leave us or forsake us. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be dismayed. Hallelujah. Father, you said in your word that you're not the author of confusion, but rather of peace. And so, Father God, we just declare tonight that we are possessed of your peace. We may not know everything. We may not have all the answers. Obviously, we don't, Lord. But thank God you do. And we look to you tonight, Father, to give us wisdom. We thank you, Father God, for helping us, encouraging us, hallelujah, bringing blessing to our lives, to our children, to our families. Glory to God, Father. We're excited about this new year, what it is you're going to do in our lives, hallelujah. Father, just like you've done in days gone by, in days of old, hallelujah, you turn people's captivity. And glory to God, you turn the ship around. You make the blessing of God flow. And there is great grace and promise that you've given to each and every one of us, Father. So it is with a thankful heart, Father, we come to you tonight. Grateful, 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 grateful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your blessing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to... <clears throat> Let's just worship God for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yes, you said to stir up the gift of God that's in us, Father. We're doing it right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor you tonight, Father, with the fruit of our lips. We give you thanks and praise, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Guide us in our giving tonight, Father, as we sow into the kingdom of God and our offering this evening. We just thank you, Father God, for your blessing resting upon it, multiplying the seed that's sown. Not only bread for our food, but Father God, for every need we have. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.